the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, And uh, this is August, and August uh, in normal times means the Cuyahoga County Fair. Thank goodness we have it back. Uh, If you remember the year 2020 when nothing happened, well, now it's 2021 and we're back with the fair. With us tonight, we have from the Cuyahoga County Fair, we have uh, Joanne Scudder and also Candace Tracy. So thank both of you women, and they're live in the studio tonight. And later on, we're going to be calling in, having you call in for some free tickets to come to the Cuyahoga County Fair. Well, let me first welcome Joanne Scudder and Candace Tracy. Joanne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here, and it's great to be back in the mix. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, we all feel so much better. I think most of us are all vaccinated, so there's that extra level of feeling comfortable, and uh, we hope things work out well. But uh, what is your position with the fair? Well, I am currently the president of the fair board, but I also book all the entertainment acts, and I manage the wind turbine. We have a wind turbine on the fairgrounds, and I have an energy education exhibit building so have a full plate but i love it well that's good uh, my wife and i volunteered to help the county board of health mm. back in uh, february and march uh, doing their their mass uh, vaccination program they had out at the fairgrounds right. so the, the fairgrounds has been pretty useful for things beyond just the county fair metro and health is back with us this year nick um they are uh, with us this year and we'll be offering free vaccinations uh covid vaccinations for those who choose to have that, it's, uh, as long as you pay your admission to the county fair and all of that, they will be on the premises, and you can get a free vaccination while you're there. So, so if you pay for your admission, you don't sneak under the fence or something. That is true. That, <laughs> oh my goodness! Absolutely. Well, and that that's Candace Tracy. Candace, tell us how, how how have you been involved with the fair and for how many years? Well, I currently serve as PR and media ambassador mm-hmm. for the Cuyahoga County Fair. Uh, very proudly, love to represent these folks and. I uh, joined up with them in 2010, and I've been with them ever since. And um, I will tell you, I think I shared with you um, off the air that my greatest uh, compliment from this fair board has been the ethnic diversity that I've brought to the fairground since my involvement. Um, you, we see a lot more different walks of life, a mm-hmm. lot more ethnic groups coming out to enjoy the Cuyahoga County Fair. And um, it's really a good feeling to look out there and just see every walk of life come out and enjoy our County Fair. Now, we, we talk about ethnic diversity, and you know, it's sort of hard. You know, Cleveland is sort of a, a black and white kind of a, a city, but we have a whole lot more to ethnicity than just black and white. We have uh, how many different kinds of ethnicities do we have? When you, and, and where I'm coming from, Probably more way, now than ever. <laughs> I, I right? would think. I have to say that because uh, my wife and I visited uh, this uh, Slovakia in Bratislava, mm. the uh, capital, and we went to a, to a fair in Bratislava, and it was really interesting being in Eastern Europe, which was our first time there, that uh, there was like no diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone there was Caucasian, 
And uh, coming from the United States, where we just live for diversity, it felt awkward. I mean, it was amazing, but like it seemed like something wasn't right. But it's great to hear that we have various uh, ethnic groups coming out to the fair. But uh, how did we get over COVID? How did you guys get through COVID? How, how did you survive? Uh, we all hid for a year. What, what did you guys do? Well, we, we sort of hid, but, you know, we had a number of events that um, were allowed to continue. They had met with the Board of Health and, and produced their COVID plan for the event, and uh, they went forward. So we were lucky. Mm-hmm. We, we also have winter storage, which helped us financially in terms of bringing in some additional income. So we were we were very lucky. We were very careful, but we were very lucky. Winter storage, I'm thinking, is this where people can bring their boats and mm, yes. RVs mm-hmm. in and park them? Beautiful in, cars. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. it's. I just love walking through the building and taking a look at what's in there. Are you guys ever filled up, or can people always think about calling and getting stuff in there for the winter? It's, like, like a classic car or something right, like classic that? Classic cars, RVs. Yeah, it, it fills up sort of quickly. So, so if there you're will interested, be information yeah, oh my. on the website. So when you're at the fairground, stop at the fairground office and get some information mm-hmm. about storage. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you know, for years now we've been featuring the fair at this time of the year, and, and a good friend of ours, Tim Fowler, has been with the fair, fair group. He's uh, convalescing right now, listening. If you're at home listening, uh, Tim, get well quick, and uh, we miss you tonight. But uh, actually you're in very capable hands here with uh, Candace and Joanne. That's uh, why who I wanted to give a shout out to was Tim. Well, go ahead, he, give a shout well, out to Tim. He, you know, he's a former past president of the fair board, and he is the one that he, you know, thanked me in front of his fair board for that ethnic diversity that was brought back to the fairgrounds, and and so um, that that's probably my greatest treasure uh, compliment that I that I've ever gotten from this fair board, and and he served as president at that time, so. Just wanted to give him a shout out. He's uh, he's home, getting well, and we're going to miss him. And uh, he's a he's a he was a rock solid leader. And I know that uh, he and Joanne go way back, and um, they they've served this board with such structure and uh, uh, just very proudly. So um, get better, Tim. Get better, Tim, right. out there. That's right. But uh, I remember when Tim would come in and talk to us because each year the fair is pretty much. Sort of the same kind of set of problems, and that's dealing with a thousand problems simultaneously. And uh, so I know that Joanne, you're involved with that. How's it going so far? Are you busy, as they say? Crazy busy, crazy busy. Um, everyone is excited; they can't wait for it to start. You know, we've gotten some of our animals in a day early because people are so excited to be out there. Uh, we're getting a ton of calls about. You know, what kind of food we're going to have? Are the funnel cakes going to be there? Well, you know, you couldn't have a fair without a funnel cake. And I certainly would like to shout out to Tim as well and tell him that I will be eating that funnel cake for him. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, Carol will be happy that I'm eating it and he's not. Oh, very good. Well, <laughs> well, by the fair office, there was always a food stand right across the street and uh, across the street, or at least across the, the roadway mm-hmm. from the fair office. Uh, a place where they would sell apple dumplings, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my favorite. And Tim would know I'd always come in for that. But uh, w- with the fair, what are we looking forward to? When does the fair open? What are the dates and what are the costs? Well, it opens Tuesday mm-hmm. and runs uh, opens Tuesday, August tenth, and runs through Sunday, August fifteenth. Admission is eight dollars this year, and <sighs> parking is free. Parking as always as 
always free. One of the few places where it is free. So we've continued that tradition as well for 124 years. Now, do you have any special days for people like veterans or seniors? Or We do, actually. I was going to tell you, Nick, our hours on Tuesday through Friday uh-huh. are going to be noon to 11 p.m. And then on Saturday, we open at 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. And on Sunday, we open at noon and we're open till 10 p.m. And we do have a really nice special going on opening day Tuesday from opening till 7 p.m. First responders can get in for just $2 by showing mm-hmm. their proper ID. And you can go on our website, kifair.com, C-U-I-F-A-I-R.com, and it will list for you what would be acceptance forms of a first responder showing their ID and getting in for just $2. Oh, very, very good, very good. And I know these days will go by very quickly, although when you're in the middle of it uh, with all the issues coming up, it's going to be something. Uh, Right now what we're going to do is if anybody is interested in going to the fair and they'd like a family four-pack of tickets, you can call us here at the station at WHK, and the telephone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And uh, Bob is here to take your call and uh, get your information. So I hope you can join us at the fair. Well, anyway, uh, going back to the fair, we have a couple minutes before our break here. But uh, did everything manage to get planned out in time for this fair with COVID and everything? You know, it was just like old times in terms of having a fair and people stepping up to the plate. And it was a little bizarre at first, but everybody just got together, worked in committees. Uh, We had tons of people calling and saying, hey, are you going to have a fair? It all came together. It is all coming together. There's a lot of new things at the fair this year. Uh, We've changed the midway a little bit differently. So you'll see different looks, different rides, uh, different types of displays. We have two fireworks shows this year. Ah, two. What what will the days for the fireworks be? We all love fireworks. They're um, Friday and Saturday. Okay, Good, good, good. We'll uh, be able to see what uh, that all looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about the Cuyahoga County Fair. Thank goodness we're we're back into real life civilization here and having something as as reminiscent and even nostalgic now as the Cuyahoga County Fair, which is going to be in Berea at the fairgrounds uh, from August 10th through 15th. And uh, we have with us tonight we have the president of the fair board. Joanne Scudder, uh, along with Candace Tracy, and we're going to take a break. Call in for tickets real quick if you'd like. For, for, uh, the telephone number is 216-901-0945. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, you can get tickets for the Cuyahoga County Fair by calling us at the station right now at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And we're here with Candace Tracy and Joanne Scudder from the Cuyahoga County Fair Board. And uh, again, thank you for being here and thank you for giving away tickets. And also thank you for putting on the fair this year. We're so hungry for stuff like this. Uh, I'm sure if the weather permits, we don't get any big rainstorms or tropical storms or something, you're going to have really great attendance. 
Um, when we would talk to Tim over the years, one of the big things we would always talk about is what kind of entertainment do you have scheduled and were you able to get entertainment uh, with the COVID world out there and what is it this year for the fair? Yes, um, we have some favorites that are returning again this year, but we also have some new ones. We have uh, Drew Murray, who is our magician. We have David Anthony, who is a well-known hypnotist. He'll be with us. Brian Brenner, who is an Elvis impersonator. And that, those seats are gone early. The the <clears throat> older ladies will come to the fair <laughs> probably about two hours early before his show and stake out their area. I don't want to know too much about that. But, well, yeah. I tell you, he's, he's pretty hot. He's very, very good. Knocks him dead every time. He's on uh, every evening. These are in the grandstand? This one is in, we have a facility called the Old Barn Pavilion. Mm-hmm. We're sort of different in the way we approach entertainment. We do have a grandstand, but we also like to entertain people as soon as they come through the gates because being in an urban area, we have a lot of competition. So we feel that we need to provide some immediate entertainment as soon as they come in. So we, we have stilt walkers with LED lit costumes in the evening, hula hoopers. We have a midway uh, stage which has a family dance party Thursday through Sunday and that's an awesome event. You'll see people with the strollers and they're walking by the family dance party and all of a sudden you see them turn around and they're looking and they see other people dancing. Well, they put their drinks down, they put their food down and next thing you know they're dancing with the kids. The kids are out of the stroller. So that's a very popular stage as well. High energy and we have uh, dancers there to teach them how to do some of the more popular dances. So that's that's fun. So rather than just going into a stage area and sitting down, you can be entertained as you walk through the fair, which our customers really seem to like. We have a um, Jason Devaud, mm-hmm. who is a juggler and an entertainer that, that strolls through the fairgrounds for us. We have a new gentleman this year called Wacky Chad. Wacky Chad is. Yeah, uh, Wacky Chad. Does he do something or he yeah. just shows up and <laughs> we laugh at him? I don't know. <laughs> no, he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, some stunts. He's also uh, an extreme pogo stick gentleman. Oh my! Uh, yeah. So he's 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 going to be really interesting. Pogo um, stick, broken bones, all seems to go together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the fairgrounds is real close to Southwest General Hospital, so that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's a good thing, just in case yeah. something goes awry. Yeah, right which, across the parking lot, if you can walk. If and you can we walk have a newly in. renovated first aid building as well, so we're pretty proud of that as well. Are, are there many injuries over the years? I don't. No, you, you, how to get injured at the fair? Heat, heat for the older people. Mm. Um, you know, you get some heat exhaustion, uh, maybe some bee stings bee or something stings, like right, that. Bee stings. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think that. Yeah. So well, people should. I know there are some bee displays, and uh, and with regard to the bee displays, I don't think you put your hand in the bees to get no. stung on it. But uh, yeah, during the break, we were talking about actual horse racing that will go on there. Uh, tell us about that. There's harness racing, and uh, when when is it, and can you bet on it? Yes, it's Tuesday at 4 o'clock. The races mm-hmm. start at 4 o'clock. And uh, as Candace had said, we have a betologist that will teach you the ins and outs of how to bet. So not only can you come and bet on a horse whose name you might like, but he's going to give you some extra additional information so you really pick the winner. So this would be like uh, betting on horse racing 101. Right. Yes, exactly. So if, like me, I have, like, no clue, maybe I just go for a cute-sounding name or yes. something <laughs> like that, or, or my lucky number. Right. But, and you uh, know, Nick, um, Northfield Park, MGM's Northfield Park has been a longtime sponsor of our harness race. I mean, we have, we've had 
years where we've had up to 12 races and the purses get up there pretty pretty well too and um it's 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 pretty popular with folks they make it a day to come out there and northfield park has been very supportive of it uh, of Mm. the harness racing so much so that uh they were the bob roberts was a recommendation from them to come out and wow and uh so that folks could meet with him the it Mm -hmm. kicks off uh on opening day tuesday at 4 p.m and you can meet bob the bedologist the bedologist uh, and uh, learn something else between 2 30 to 4 p.m so my goodness and this is done in conjunction with northfield park yes they've been great so these aren't amateur horses or amateur drivers these are the same people who do the circuit professionally it's the real deal so if you haven't been out watching the races, now you can have a chance to come out, and that's Tuesday. What time do, do the races start? 4 p.m. And they end at about what time? I, it lasts a few hours. You're just saying 12 races. I don't that's, know how many Gail has this year, but it, we've had up to 12 in the past. So They must be pretty quick. <laughs> so it's very quick. It's race one, race two, race right. three, and so forth. Yep. Oh, my, my goodness. Well, you know, with uh, regard to the fair and everything, if if there is bad weather, are there things to do indoors? Or what about the animals and the kids and the 4-H and all of that? Is that still out there? Nick, I was really glad that Joanne talked about the Midway Entertainment because, you know, it is $8 to get in Mm -hmm. the county fair. And just so your listeners know, if they if they don't win tickets on the show tonight, they can buy Mm -hmm. tickets at KaiFair.com or they can actually buy them on site uh, when they show up. Um, But, you know, the... The fair board has a due diligence, and they know that that for they're charging eight dollars for a per per person to get in, and uh, they want to make sure that the those folks once you get in there, you're paying for your kids to ride the rides, you're paying for your kids to get their face painted, you're paying for fair food, and you're and so paying that eight dollars, you've got such a lot nice uh, variety of entertainment on the midway that costs not, nothing extra. Mm-hmm, um, so mm-hmm. th- what they do with that is, um, that $8 is to help offset some of those midway acts and different things so that the families are entertained without any additional cost. Well, what kind of entertainment is there that you, that you normally would have to pay for that you don't have to pay for now? Is there, are Just, there things? Um, there, I mean, the strolling entertainment, even the magicians mm-hmm. and the, the different folks that Joanne talked about the hypnotist and different things. So that's all part of that's no extra cost once you're you're in the on the, on the fairgrounds. That's all part of the midway attractions. So, so you just wander around and uh, see what. Well, we still have some tickets if anyone would like to call in at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. And make sure your list. I think it's important for your listeners to know also how important that eight dollars per person is and, yeah. what, and what it goes for as well. And that is the fair board has, um, you know, they their job is fairground sustainability. So when a f- uh, building needs a new roof or a grand, the grand state needs new seating, uh, seating or um, some of the areas need to be paved. Um, there's just all different kinds of things that that's their job is that fairground sustainability. So I think it's nice that your listeners know that they're they're a big part of that. That's what they're paying that money for at that entrance gate and they're helping sustain those fairgrounds for a very long time and joanne has been so instrumental in sustainability for the fairgrounds i think that's her greatest gift to this board and and so but the public helps with that too oh very good even though we had that problem with covid for 2020 how is uh, the fair board looking sustainable oh yes 
most definitely. And the, the we wind, depend on it. <laughs> that's right, we do. And you know, the the, the uh, wind turbine is out there generating tonight because we have a nice, hefty breeze there. But uh, you know, the other thing you had asked about the animals, right. you know, being in an urban area, we're a little bit different than your county fair that's... You don't seem to be agricultural in, in that sense. Well, yeah, you might have to look for it in a different way. Um, you know, gardening is agricultural. They're doing some container gardens this year, some mm-hmm. things that that urban youth can do. You know, maybe pocket pets, dogs, rabbits, smaller animals, but we also have the large animals, too. We have... Uh, there are nine pigs in the 4-H auction this year. We have a number of... St- I think we have two steers... Pens of ducks and chickens and turkeys that the, the students, the children, have raised. And so the students are still raising. There's still 4-H clubs out there? That, yes. Oh, very, yes. Very and they're healthy. active here in Cuyahoga County. Yes, very healthy. In fact, they had a summer camp uh, at, I believe it was a, at, uh, it was either at Case or John Carroll this mm-hmm. year that involved a lot of uh, the urban youth. And they'll be coming out to the fair as part of a, a field trip. Mm-hmm. Sort of a culmination, mm-hmm. a celebration of that class this year. So it's out there. You know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, other groups as well participate in the fair. So well, then, it's a good time. Actually, it's just fun walking out seeing people. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, it's been that year. I can't tell you how bad that year was, 2020. Uh, it, when we lose a whole year like we did, I think it comes back. Uh, you know, with, with a vengeance that we want to take advantage of everything. And these yes. beautiful August days are just terrific for the fair. Nick, it's so important that I walked into a restaurant and a little gal said, talked about how important uh, selling livestock at our county fair was to her and her Isn't family. That nice? Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on at the county fair. It's very nice. It's very warm. It's very cozy. It's just a very good feeling place. So be sure you go out to Berea this year. Congratulations to our winners tonight. Uh, you can pick your tickets up at Will Call over at the uh, Cuyahoga County Fairgrounds whenever you go. And for the rest of you who didn't win, go out to the fair anyway. It's a great experience, and it will be something memorable for twenty for 2021. Kaifair.com, Nick. Yes, Cuyahoga County Fair, I'd like to thank Candace Tracy and also Joanne Scudder for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll see everybody out at the fair. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, Tonight in these next two segments, we're going to be talking to Judge Joan Sinnenberg, a judge in the Cuyahoga County Common Police Court, to tell us about how the courts are operating during covid as well as other plans for the court, because justice must still move forward. Judge Sinnenberg, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be with you. Thank you so much, Nick. Oh, my my pleasure, uh, Judge. It's, it's so good having you here, because uh, we've been talking on this program for over a year about COVID and how it has changed everything in our lives. And I know many people who aren't involved in the courts uh, Maybe don't think about the fact that the courts have changed as well. Uh, and uh, be- before we talk about the courts, you're a judge in the Common Police Court, and uh, tell us a-, a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. Well, it's my honor to serve. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I've 
been on the bench. Uh, this is my 17th year. The first two in Cleveland Municipal Court. Uh, my presiding judge was Judge Larry Jones, a wonderful man from whom I learned a great deal. I enjoyed that experience being in the People's Court. Cleveland Muni is uh, perhaps the busiest court in the state of Ohio. I've since been serving in Cuyahoga County Common Pleas Court. We have civil and criminal cases. It's uh, a trial court, the highest trial level in the state. And I also preside over recovery court, recovery court, a dual diagnosis specialized docket, serving people who are charged with low-level offenses who are also diagnosed with substance use disorder and trauma. That's interesting. Those are the things you cover. One thing that caught my attention, you mentioned the highest trial court, which said another way, there are really no limits to the things you handle in your court. Right. Uh, so civil it could be cases. civil cases. Go ahead. Sure. Unlimited jurisdiction. We could see anything from a slip and fall to a class action lawsuit and criminal cases up to capital murder. It's it's a court with 34 judges. We each have civil and criminal dockets. Uh, we have a, a really robust bench. Uh, there's a lot of action over here. Uh, and we also have a number of specialized dockets for which we feel a great deal of pride because we really strive to respond to the needs of our community and our and those that we serve. Well, I know as a trial judge and myself as a trial lawyer, I've known you for many years. And yeah, prior to COVID, oh, and mine too, but the, the COVID thing has changed things so dramatically. I know we were in such a routine with how we handled justice in the Justice Center without COVID. Right. But when COVID came and everyone, we're talking about life and death uh, infections here, uh, how did that work out for the last year in, in administering justice with time limits and moving cases and all of that? Right. Well, I think it's so interesting that you chose the word routine, Nick, because we were in a certain routine that I don't even think we realized until COVID did hit us. Uh, and we have changed to adapt to COVID, something none of us could have ever imagined nor anticipated. But you go from a court that is so busy five days a week, where, of, and of course, courts, as you know, are open. We The whole point of justice is that it is accessible to everyone. Courts must be accessible to everyone. And we have to do this with the same concerns that every aspect of our society was thinking about, which is safety to to those that we do serve. And I have to really hand it to um, the bench as a whole, but also my presiding judge, uh, Brendan Sheehan, has just done a great job of, of staying abreast in what is happening with the virus, with uh, county the different county buildings, with the Board of Health, and he communicates with us all the time. Uh, so we did have to adapt but we had to adapt and not close. So while we changed how we did business, we didn't stop doing business. Uh, and and I, I have to tell you, I had never heard of Zoom before March of 2020. <laughs> I just have to say that some people ask, well, I haven't. I mean, every once in a while we would do, you know, conference calls. or We used to talk about, do you know that there's people that work Monday through Thursday and don't work on Fridays? Boy, that's a different way of thinking. And then we had to go to virtual oh appearances and uh, Zoom. But we've learned so much, and we've kept some of those practices with us today. We have changed some of those old routines. 
Well, and, and that's good. I'm thinking that uh, you know we have learned so much that there are right. some efficiencies that we've yes. learned that uh, why not keep them in practice? You know, and we did ask uh, the bar what they thought. We asked lawyers what they thought. We asked staff. And when I say we, uh, again, turning over to our administration, our presiding judge, uh, one thing that we did was we relied very heavily on proceeding by Zoom. So we could still have pretrials and different hearings without subjecting anyone to the danger of contracting the virus. And, of course, things changed because in the beginning there there were no uh, vaccinations, and, and, and it was a, it was even more restrictive. Uh, but we did learn that, believe it or not, a schedule moves along really well with Zoom because mm-hmm. we have set mm-hmm. time, and, and it seems that lawyers were doing a wonderful job of respecting that they had to start at a certain time and finish at a certain time. So it helped us move along punctually. And, you know, if you don't, then you have the domino effect of if one thing if one proceeding is late, then it really affects everything else. So with Zoom, it seems that the, the bench and the bar quickly adapted to what it's like to proceed virtually, uh, albeit plenty of our technical hiccups here and there. Uh, but it has certainly reduced traffic in the building, reduced wait time for litigants, lawyers, jurors. And I think that overall it's been uh, something that, the efficiencies are the, the takeaway that we are going to hang on to. We will continue keep to do going. virtual proceedings. Yes. Although I have to tell uh, you, as of uh, today, well, as of today, we're back to mask wearing and temperature taking in the building uh, because of the variant. So now we yeah, have the Delta variant coming back. Let's hope we yeah. don't uh, sort of rebound back to where we were like last March or, or that kind of a thing. But a you know, part of being a trial court is that you have to have trials. And I know during this whole period of the COVID pandemic, having trials was something you still had to do. I had the pleasure, and I say pleasure, and honor of being a citizen, being called to jury duty, uh, and uh, appearing in your court along with 50 other potential jurors. Uh, how, you know, my experience, I'll share with you in a moment, but how was it converting from the normal how we do business to the COVID pandemic way of doing jury trials? It was it was a transition. <laughs> transition times can sometimes have a couple bumps in the road. But I, first of all, I want to thank you for coming down and being one of 50. And as you'll share, uh, it wasn't here in the Justice Center. But thank you to the Medical Mart across the street from the Justice Center. With wide open spaces, we were able to conduct jury trials there in makeshift courtrooms that had everything that we have here. But Criminal trials, civil trials, we conducted at the Medical Mart, uh, including uh, impaneling grand juries. So it was a way to continue during, doing business in a building that it was much easier to accommodate social distancing than the high-rise justice center with elevators that can only take two people at a time. So uh, it was really a solution at a time when we needed it, and we were so grateful for that option. Uh, a number of us did try cases over there, We were, and for cases where we had to bring in an adequate number of jurors to cover who, whomever might be excused throughout mm-hmm. the election process, we were able to have the space we needed to socially distance and to keep people safe. So that was, we were so grateful to have that opportunity to use that venue. Uh, well, now, we're, now we're actually back in the courthouse. Yes. 
Oh, good. You're back into the courthouse. Well, yeah. let's uh, hope that stays on without the, the COVID, like taking a backslide and becoming more infectious and more of a public health threat. Yes, but, we uh, all, we're uh, all concerned. Just, just wanted to comment about my experience with the jury and actually as a trial lawyer, mingling and mixing with jurors is quite quite a unique experience. And I, I was really pleased to find out that there is so much space over at the Medical Mart that the, all right. the jurors I talked to felt very comfortable in, in being in this expansive, <clears throat> wide open space area. And also that most of the jurors, uh, all of the ones I talked to, did in fact look at their jury duty as a duty, as a responsibility they had as a citizen and resident of the county. So. Uh, I, I thought that was a great insight, and I thank you for the Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're talking to Cuyahoga County Judge Joan Sinnenberg about the Cuyahoga Court System and justice here in Cuyahoga County. And uh, we were talking about the COVID pandemic and how that went, but I'd first like to again welcome Judge Sinnenberg. Judge Sinnenberg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be with you. Well, it's great giving us some insight into what's been happening at the courts. We've been talking about uh, COVID and the pandemic and how we've all been adjusting, but beside adjusting and just getting by with uh, the pandemic and getting by with trying to get our normal business done, the court's been doing some innovative things on top of that. Uh, There's one thing called the recovery court that you're involved in. Tell us something about that. Sure. Thank you so much for asking. Recovery Court is a Supreme Court specialized, uh, Supreme Court certified specialized docket in the state of Ohio, which, uh, and it's the first of its kind. We serve people who are charged with low-level, nonviolent offenses in Cuyahoga County who are also diagnosed with substance use disorder and trauma. It's a treatment-oriented docket. Our uh, clinical team that works with us, a team of 10, makes decisions for each client on an individual basis based on an assessment, and it's driven with the treatment that they must complete to get through our program successfully. And in many cases, if they do, they can uh, avoid a criminal conviction in their case. But most of all, it's taking someone who's really hit a low point in their life, gotten ensnared in the criminal justice system, which doesn't happen with most diseases. Addiction's unusual that way. And someone... uh, who's in great need to heal for both themselves and for their family. We do think that addiction is a family disease. We follow the national drug court model of swift uh, sanctions for non-compliance, but there's very close accountability. Uh, someone on our recovery court docket, and we just met this morning, will see a probation officer every week or two, very frequently in the beginning, taper down. We do random drug screens. Our clients know, based on our random call-in system, that every day may be the day that they're called to test. They have to check in. They have a color assigned to them. Let's say your color is blue. If you call and it's a yellow day, you're not going to be drug tested. But if it's a day where they tell you blue is up, you must come down and submit. And that's one form of accountability that's really helpful in keeping our clients uh, on track. We also require all of our clients to participate in any of the recommended treatment, and they must participate in mental health counseling. What we did see, Nick, is that so many of the the women on our docket 
uh, were, were pregnant. And, and what we learned is that with opioid-addicted women, there's an 86% rate of unplanned pregnancy. And what we would see is that so many of the parents on our dockets, because of their legal circumstances, were also losing their children, their homes, they had financial trouble. So in addition to the recovery services that we provide, and with thanks to Recovery Resources, the Adams Board, Matt Talbot, Stella Maris, CATS, and many other agencies, uh, we also developed a pro bono collaborative reaching out to civil lawyers in our community in case anybody's listening that wants to volunteer. And we assist people on criminal dockets, any criminal docket here, any of the 34 of us, although it originally started with the specialized dockets, but anyone on a criminal docket who could use the help of a volunteer civil attorney is eligible if they can't otherwise get that help. So we are really solution-oriented. We strive to build rapport and offer a support system to our clients and their families. And after two and a half years of supervision, if our clients have been clean and met all of the clinical requirements, we have a graduation ceremony three times a year. It's very moving, very touching. And then our clients spread their wings and fly and live a life of what we hope is sustained sobriety, uh, happiness, uh, getting the keys back to mom's house or uh, renewed custody with the kids and living a life mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. find satisfaction. And so recovery court is uh, something of which we're very grateful for here. It's one of three drug courts here in Cuyahoga County, but the only one here that specializes with people duly diagnosed. It sounds like such a helpful program uh, that it's going to be attacking the underlying cause for a lot of the right. uh, the law violations, the statutory violations. But a question right. comes to mind, you know, people listening to this, if someone is out there and they are addicted and they hear about the program, do, it sounds kind of ironic and, and maybe... Sully, do they have to violate the law to get into the program? No, it's funny you should say that because we feel we feel grateful that someone is in our clutches and we do everything we can. And we worry about people who are not in the criminal justice system where they haven't had that point of intervention. But I do want to credit perhaps, you know, Bill Dunahan, who was uh, who ran the Adams board for many, many years and was an advocate of money from opioid settlement money being put toward a diversion center. And that's where the goal is at the point of arrest rather than someone coming to a jail or getting directly involved in the court system that they can immediately be taken to treatment. But what we do see here is that it's a problem, addiction and substance use, uh, mental health issues. This touches every family. This is nothing new to the criminal justice system it's just that all of our community partners see this, and everybody cares about the, the wellness of our community and the wellness of the, the family unit. So this is just another way for, the, for our court to respond. But if someone doesn't have a criminal case, that's even better. And if they need right. any advice, don't hesitate. the first thing that I think our team would, re- would recommend is that someone needs to get into treatment immediately, detox, and then sustain treatment. And if they have any questions, Give us a call and we can at least connect them with our team who can help people. But there are so many resources out there, Nick. We partner with Metro Hospital and with other hospitals, but Metro has a clinic where if someone is looking to get medication-assisted treatment, counseling, they can go walk in and get help on the main campus. So Metro has been an extremely active partner and we're really grateful to have uh, the, the 
concern and the care that they do have. In fact, their third-year residents are required to attend recovery court sessions as part of their curriculum. So they really hmm. care about what happens to the people that, you know, with the very common problem of, of substance use disorder. And any one of us can help destigmatize the disease of addiction and help normalize it and make people not feel embarrassed or afraid to go for help because recovery <laughs> does work. Have, have we seen the program long enough to see some numbers? Do we, do we see a difference being made anywhere in any of the sectors? Uh, another great question. And I have to say, Judge Larry Jones uh, began drug court in Cleveland Municipal Court back in the 90s. Uh, then Judge Nancy McDonald. All these familiar names. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. And Judge Nancy McDonald, Judge Dave Mattai have the other two drug courts. But yes, there is reduced recidivism. And I believe it's basically two-thirds less recidivism with drug court. Even people that don't successfully complete the drug court model still gain tools and the likelihood of them returning is decreased. So it does work. It's not perfect. Uh, recovery is not perfect. It has bumps in the road. And of course, it takes a support system and a person who's really ready to uh, wrap their arms around recovery, surrender to help and pull their weight. Uh, in recovery court, we tell our clients we can't work harder than they are. They've got to do what they have to do as well. And, but, but it is a disease that's treatable. With recovery, with that inter intervention, people can live happy, productive, healthy lives. They can restore relationships, and their families are way better off, too. Well, it sounds like, you know, point by point, we're, we're making progress as to what's going on. Uh, over the next couple of years, what's in store for you? You're running for re-election, I understand. Oh, I will be in November of next year, 2022. It's such an honor. Yes, sir. And it's such an honor to serve the people of Cuyahoga County and to serve on this bench where people really care about those that we serve. Uh, I'm, I mentioned the drug courts. We also have five mental health developmental disability dockets here with five of my colleagues. We have a reentry docket, uh, so and we have a, a veterans treatment court. Uh, so there is we respond to what's going on in our community. And today, no surprise. Uh, Increased overdose deaths are of grave concern to everyone, and gun violence. These are the issues that we see every day. So we, we also have a specialized docket here for people who are involved uh, as first offenders with gun offenses. Uh, so oh that's my. a pilot project. We're seeing how that works right now. Well, but a lot, lot of work. A lot of work going on, a lot to do. I wanted to mention re-election because people need to know all judges here in Calgary County get elected, and it's yes. up to us voters to go and vote down the ballot and, and get these judges. So, Judge Sinneberg, thank you so much for joining us today oh. and giving us some insight into the courts. Well, thank you for what you do for the legal community. Thank you for your jury service and for all your responses, oh, which pleasure. helps ed educate your colleague jurors. And it's been a pleasure to you. I really... <laughs> I really appreciate joining you this evening. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Judge Sinnenberg. And thank you for listening. You. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night and stay healthy. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do with